So, in the Old Testament, there's a story. The Israelites did, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Um, is this phrase that happens all over the book of Judges. And, and this happens in Judges chapter 3. The Israelites did evil again in the eyes of the Lord. And, and the Lord delivered them over to Eglon, king of Moab. Okay? Now, Eglon was a fat man, the Bible tells us. Hold on to that. He was over the Israelites for 18 years. 18 years that they were in bondage to, to Moab and, and a couple of other surrounding um, countries. And when they cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a man named Ehud. Now, Ehud was left-handed. And he crafted a 18-inch double-sided sword, double-edged sword. And, and, and the way it says it in the book of Judges, you could tell they probably couldn't have swords because, you know, they had that dictator over them, not allowing them to have weapons. So he crafted this 18-inch um, sword, and he was due to bring tribute or taxes to King Eglon. And so he strapped the sword on his, his right thigh and goes into, because why? Because he's left-handed, right? Goes into bring the tribute to Eglon. He goes before Eglon and they probably search him, but because he's left-handed, they search this side of his body and he goes in to see Eglon, gives him the tribute. And, and you imagine like, like this is probably, it's not like, you know, here's a few dollars. It's like, no, here's a bunch of goods right? Commodities. And, and the, the people in the palace, the servants in the palace, start to take out the, the, um, the, the tribute. So now they're alone, and he's like, hey. And, and Ehud's like, hey, King Eglon, I have a special secret message for you from the Lord. And then he left-handed takes out the sword and stabs Eglon in the belly. And the fat encloses over the handle as his intestines fall out. Yeah. And then Ehud, Ehud just walks out of the palace. And it says clearly in, in the book of Judges that he walked past their gods on the way out. And the Israelites were able to overtake because of that, that turmoil and the, that coup. The Israelites were to... to get back their freedom from Moab. Now, I tell you that story for no other reason. There's no moral to that story. I'm, I'm serious. Like, I don't, I don't want to draw anything from it. I'm just telling you that story because you probably haven't heard that story before. And, and it's, it's really just an advertisement. You should read your Bibles more. <laughs> This is, there's interesting stuff in, in this book that, that you, you don't even know about. Like, like maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you grew up in Sunday. My guess is Sunday school didn't cover this one. I don't know. I did when I taught Sunday school back in the day. But like, you know, this, you, you need to read this book because there's lots in it. There's lots, there's more in it than, than, than we, we think, like as we think about this book, I guarantee there's more to it and more in it than we give credit. And that's why we're in this series called Deep Cuts. 
This series is, is all about how, basically, like, like you've heard the phrase deep cuts when it comes to music. You've got the tracks, you, you, you got the hits, right? You've, you've got the, the greatest hits album. The deep cuts is kind of the opposite of the, the, the uh, greatest hits album in the sense that the deep cuts are the, what the true fans kind of cherish. And maybe it's a song that, like all true fans know of, that never got radio play. Maybe it's towards the end of the CD or on the B-side of the tape deck, you know? Because it's, it's an older, a lot of times deep cuts are older songs from when the band, before the band, got big and before they were played on the radio. Or maybe a deep cut song for you is a song that just has special meaning. And nobody else really knows about it, but when you think of that band, you think of that song. And people would, if you played that song, they would be like, I didn't know that was the Beatles. I didn't know that was Imagine Dragon, or I didn't know that was Eminem, or, or whatever. Like, they just, you didn't, like, you didn't know because, and really, deep cuts are really what separates the true fans from the casual fans. The casual fans are the ones that, that, that yeah, like, hey, I'm going to go to a Red Rocks concert. I should brush up on what this band plays before I go. A true fan doesn't need to do that. A true fan knows the music. And the idea with deep cuts is, do you know the music? Do you know the deep cuts? Do you know, because I didn't talk about this enough last week, as we kicked off this series, but the, the idea is if we put the time in and understand the, the, the nuances, the nitty-gritty, the, the, the behind the scenes of this book, what it has a way of going, uh, going with us in life. And when life doesn't make sense or life gets difficult or li- you know, like whatever happens in life, we have this not just here sitting on our bookshelf, we have it here in our minds. And in our hearts, we've got the deep cuts, bringing meaning to our lives. So we looked at a guy, uh, we looked at a woman named Hagar last week. And today, I want us to look at a man named Jethro. Now, this story is a gem. Uh, Honestly, I I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 18. In fact, can somebody, yeah, can you go hand out those Bibles? Jane, can you help? Exodus chapter 18. Today, like most good deep cuts, you find a deep cut story in a a broader story, in in a greatest hit. So this is a story within the story of Moses. Jethro is a story or a character within the, the greater story of Moses. And if Honestly, even if you didn't go to, to Sunday school much as a kid, you know Moses. You probably heard of Moses. Moses parting the Red Sea. Moses telling Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. All, you know, this is Moses. And Moses is, again, Moses is definitely part of the greatest hits list. He gets basically the whole book of Exodus. He's kind of the main character of the whole book of Exodus. Very few characters get whole books following them. Moses is one of them. In the middle of that is this guy named Jethro. Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. Moses, uh, if you remember Moses' story, Moses uh, was, he was Hebrew, but he was raised by an Egyptian, uh, like an Egyptian princess, basically. 
So he had his foot kind of in both two worlds, both in this Egyptian world and this Hebrew world, to probably to the point where you read a story, he probably had some conflicts with that, like, who, like identity, like who am I? Like I care about these Hebrews and I want to do something for them. And then he actually does someday. He like he sticks up for a, a Hebrew slave that's being beaten and he kills the, the, uh, the Egyptian um, master. He commits murder and then he flees and he runs away and he runs to Moab. He runs into the desert away, kind of northeast of Egypt. And in the desert, he meets this family group, and the, the, the patriarch of that family group is Jethro. It's actually not Moab, it was Midian. Jeff, Jethro's from Midian. And Jethro is, uh, he's, he's like a, uh, he's the, 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 uh, the book of Exodus calls him the priest of Midian. And this is interesting because in the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about this in, in a few weeks from now in, our, in deep, like deep cuts four or five, I want to talk about the characters in the Bible that are not, like, like these, there's these pockets of faith in the middle of nowhere where God is at work and there's godly people who are praising God and we have no clue they didn't come from Abraham, they didn't come from Moses, they didn't come from Israel, they're just there. Jethro's kind of one of those deep cut characters where it's like, yeah, he's just this priest in the middle of nowhere, Midian, where, you know, the Old Testament's not talking about God working, but the reality is God was working. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. It's pretty cool. So the Jethro, so Jethro kind of takes Moses in when he's in this vulnerable spot. He's running. He's, he's a fugitive of the law, this, this, this um, criminal, this, almost this convict. And, and Jethro takes him in, and, um, he, and Moses ends up marrying his daughter, Sipporah. And that's, that's, how, that's all we know about Jethro to this point. And then also, you know, like Moses has a couple of kids. He's, he, he spends a lot of time in Midian. And then all of a sudden, God's like, no, you need to leave Midian and go back to Egypt. I have a job for you, a special mission. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And many of us are familiar with that story. So Moses goes back to Egypt, he, and this this whole ordeal. It probably took years of trying to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites go, the Hebrews go. Finally does, but then he doesn't. You know, chases after him, Red Sea, whoosh, you know. Meanwhile, so these are, I don't know, I should have done the math, but this is probably hundreds of miles apart, Midian to, or Midian to, to Egypt, and, and, you know, there's no I am, there's no email, there's no phones. And, and all of a sudden, it kind of seems like in the book of Exodus, all these good things have happened. They're safe in, in, the, in the, they're wandering around the desert, but God is with them. Pillar of fire, pillar of smoke, giving them the law, giving them the, the build the tabernacle, building all of these foundationally Israelite things. And, and in the midst of this, you get the sense that like Moses or maybe even Sipporah is like, Hey, we need to let my dad know, my family know, I'm okay. And this is where Jethro comes back into the story. Starting, uh, verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1. Now Jethro, again, here's that word, the priest of Midian and the father-in-law of Moses heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. 
After Moses had sent away his wife, Zipporah, his father-in-law, Jethro, received her. And then it goes on to say, basically, she went and got him. She brought their two sons. So this is the first time Jethro's met his grandkids. That had to be cool. Like, not only do you not know if they're okay, all of a sudden your daughter comes back. Hey, we're okay. Here's a couple grandkids. What are their names? You know, like, just, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about what old times were like and, and just the joy of, like, joy that we could never under, understand of, the, of that type of reunion. Just skip down to verse five. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. Oh, before we read this, basically what's about to happen, <laughs> as I was preparing this, I'm thinking to myself, this is very much like a, a classic out-of-town in-laws come to see you. You know what I mean? Like, especially if, if, if you're in that, that family, like if you got kids at home or you remember having kids at home, there's like some show and tell. Like, oh, she's gotten so tall. Oh, look what you've done with the guest bedroom. Oh, look at, you know, like, how's the new job? Oh, like there, there's all of this catching up that you can't do over FaceTime. You have to like walk into the house and be like, oh, I can, you, guys, you guys put in a new whatever. New fridge, sweet. You know, like there's, there's some of that going on because Jethro, this is important, Jethro is over here in Midian. They're over there and Jethro finally gets a chance to come back into their lives. So kind of sense that as we're reading. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' son, Moses' son and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God, that is Mount Sinai. Verse 6, Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your, your wife and her, two, and her two sons. Like, hey, we, we're okay. We're on our way back to you. So Moses, verse 7, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then they went inside the tent. Now, just, we got to pause here for a second. Remember, Jethro, Jethro kind of saved Moses. He, Moses was wandering around in the desert, not really knowing what was next in life. And that's when he met Jethro and his clan. And then he married his daughter. Now, put whatever, whatever relationship you have with your in-laws, if you have in-laws, aside. Because, you know, there's all the, you know, like I was going to tell a mother-in-law joke, but I thought that'd be like poor taste, you know? Like, you know, there's, there's a connotation with the in-laws. That's not this. This is a sweet reunion. You saw it here. Let's read it again. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law bow, and bowed down to him. That's, that's an honor thing. Kissed him. Like, that's a, that's a I mean, not, that's a cultural thing, but that's also like a, a closeness thing. Like, like, that's an intimacy. Like, we, we, we respect each other like, I love you. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. And this next verse, as I was preparing this week, I couldn't help but think, Moses doesn't really have a father. If you remember, he was placed in the basket and, and in the river and, and to be hidden from the Egyptians because the Egyptians were killing Hebrew babies at that time to try to curb their, their population. And he, he doesn't really have a dad. He was raised by this Egyptian princess, so he doesn't really have... The, the man's kind of an orphan, especially once he leaves Egypt. He's like, now who am I? And Jethro was the one that took him in. I was always amazed 
I'm 40 years old now. Dad died when I was 38. I was always amazed, even in my 30s, how much I was still in trying to impress my dad. And it wasn't in this, like, I'm trying to win his love and affection. Maybe that is your story with your dad. Like, I don't know your dad's story, per se. Sometimes dad's stories are, I can never, will I ever be enough for my son? But even in, if that's your story, I want you to know, even in a healthy relationship with a father, there's always this idea of, like, I want to impress dad. I watch Titus do it all the time. Hey, dad, look at this. You know, look, 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 look at this. Yesterday, it was a... It was a bouncy ball about this big and a, and a tennis racket. And he was hitting it like way down in the yard towards the house, smacking the house with it from like 150 feet away. I was like, that's awesome. You probably should not do that. But like, you know, like windows, me, Aaron was there like, hey, don't hit us, you know. Um, there's something about a son always wanting to like, hey, dad, did you notice and my friends and I were talking about this, like even in our middle age, we're still trying to impress the guy. Hey, dad, check this out. Look at verse eight. Moses told his father-in-law, hey, dad, check this out. Check out everything that the Lord has done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake. You know, you know how I was in Midian with you, and, and I just didn't feel right, and God called me, I saw the burning bush, and he called me back to Egypt, and I had this grand mission, and I was scared, we did it. All the hardship that they had, and they met along the way, and how the Lord had saved them from, they're catching up on all of this. It's a moment, right, that they might remember for the rest of their lives, like, yeah, Jethro came, and we were sitting in the tent, and we stayed up late that night and just talked. Jethro was delighted, verse 9, to hear all about the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 10, he said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians and the Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods for he did this to those who had treated Israel so arrogantly. Then Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat the meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. Okay, so that's, that's the context. Now we're going to get to what I really want us to, to see. Okay? Um, the next day, verse 13... The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as a judge for the people. Like I said, this is very much like the in-laws coming to visit. You get a good weekend together, you stay up late, you eat a meal, whatever, like, and then you got to go back to work, right? Like, you can only take so many days off when they're there. So this is Monday. Moses is Monday. I don't know if it's Monday. It said the next day, but it's, it's probably a Monday. And Moses has got to go back to work. So he, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning until evening, sun up till sundown. <laughs> okay? Verse 14. When his father in law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing? For the people. So this is the rising climax now. 
You know, everything's been kind of the setup. It's, it's been kind of nice, like, getting to know each other. Now we have a rising climax. What is it? What's the possible conflict here? Like, like, and this is, I mean, come on. You've all had in-laws in town. This is what happens. It's a good day, and then all of a sudden the comments start to roll in. You know what I mean? Why are you working so hard? Yeah, yeah. Why, why, what is it you're doing? Uh, where is it? Verse, what is it you are doing for these people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Here's, here's this is, this is, we're going to start to see a little bit of the conflict in the story because uh, Jethro has an opinion as to what's going on. He's watching Moses work his tail off. And here's, here's, before we dive into it too deep, I want to like put the, basically like the, the big idea up on the screen. Hey, Nick, can you put that second slide up? Put this one. This is, this isn't necessarily the big idea. This is to set up the big idea. I want to make this note. People from the outside see what blank from the inside, what we can't, like fill in the blank, what we can't see from the inside, what we don't see from the inside, what we don't see anymore, what we won't see. So the in-laws come into town and they come walking like, oh, you got a new refrigerator. Oh, you redid this bathroom. Oh, it looks great. But they, not only do they notice the things, because they're from the outside, and, and not only do they notice the new things at your house, they also notice the inconsistencies in your life. And this is always the case. People from the outside Always, ha- always are the first to notice the things that are hard for us to see on the inside. Why? Because we're on the inside. We didn't notice that the kids have been growing because they, we've seen them every day. They, they noticed that the kids went from here to here. Oh my gosh, she's getting so tall. Oh, that bathroom looks so good. Oh, why are you working so much? Whoa! Right? And it's just natural. People from the outside always see first what people from the inside can't or won't or don't or shorn't or you like like we just like I don't want to think about that we got to keep going like I, I know it like and, and this is this is I have an I have a similar um, relationship with my father-in-law like we we really respect each other and it is interesting most he's, he's coming this weekend this, this following weekend next week he'll be here at church with with you all. By the time that you have seen him next week here at church, he will have made a comment to me. I'm, I'm, uh, like, I'm, not, I'm not ratting him out. I'm just stating, it, 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 like, this will happen. Oh, Josh, the house looks great. Oh, you know, like, the kids are getting so big. Hey, Josh, are you, making, you, you and Christy getting enough time together? And at first, it kind of, oh, you know, it, it rose me wrong. But then I realized, no, it's his daughter, you know, that's his little girl. And he's checking in to make sure what we're doing. And he, you know, what he's, at first it feels like he's checking in on me, but what I really know is he actually does care about me. And, and he wants that for me too. Yes, of course he wants his daughter to be taken care of, but he, you know, we've been married, we've been married a while and he cares about me as well. But here's, but here's the point that I'm trying to make. 
We, I want you guys to know this. This is important to see in life. Outsiders always see things first. Almost always see inconsistencies. Outsiders looking in and they hear you talking about your money, they'd be like, well, why are you doing that? Or the way that you're working at your job, you're like, well, is your career in charge or are you in charge? You know, are you like, you're making plans for the future. Like, well, is the, the, the outsider looking in, they might just be like, is that wise? I mean, like, we just talked about how you wanted this, this, and this, but you're heading this way. Outsiders have a really interesting view of our lives. This is what I'm trying to make a point of. People from the outside see what we can't from the inside. Sometimes what we don't see from the inside. Sometimes what we won't see, they see it. The question is, will we listen to them? And, and this, my, this, is, this leads me to the big idea for today. Oh, Nick just went to get a cup of coffee. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Can you put the next slide? Oh, oh, he did. Look at that. Thank you, Trevor. Always listen to outsiders. I, I, know, I know this is like a bold statement. Always listen to outsiders. I think it's important in life to always listen to outsiders. Note what I'm saying. Not what, what I, note what I'm not saying if this doesn't hit you right. Don't always do what outsiders say you to do. But we should always be willing to listen to outsiders. We should always be willing to listen to those who are outside of our context, that care for us, and have a perspective on our context, on our scenario, on our situation, that we might not have. We, all, like, like, we always need to be, we always should be willing to listen to outsiders. Let's keep going with our story. Verse 17. Uh, no, let's go verse, uh, let's, let's go 14 again. What is it you're doing for these people? Why do you sit alone as judge? Hey, I don't mind that you're judging. Like, I think you're doing good work, but why are you doing it by yourself? While all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered him, well, because the people come to seek God's will. That's a good answer. Like, that's a good reason to do. Whenever, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decree and instructions. I, I'm acting as a judge for the people. These are my people. Let my people go, Pharaoh. <laughs> They're like, I care for them. Keep in mind, it's hard to, hard to say exactly how many people were there? There were probably at least 100,000 Israelites at this point. There may have been a million. It, it, was, it was no small group of people. And Moses is acting as kind of governor over all of them in this, you know, like, like in this theocracy. God is their head. I'm, you, know, you follow me. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. But Moses is the guy who kind of goes and talks to God like face to face, you know? He's the guy. And so he's like, he ta and he takes his job seriously, right? He's, he's, he's a good leader. I, I care for the people, so I'm going to meet with them. And that's why, you know, I do what he does. Look at what, look at what Jethro says next in 17. What you are doing is not good. Cut straight to the point. What you are doing is not good, Moses. Woo! 
Would you take that from your father-in-law? Hey, 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 Brad, you know, like, what you're doing's not good. <laughs> I mean, there's just no easy way to say that. Carol, I hate to say this, but what you're doing, it's not good. That's a tough thing to accept. And Moses, at this point, has a choice to make to either receive the criticism and the critique, because this is a critique, right? This is like, this isn't good. You need to change. He, he, has a, he has a choice here to either receive the critique or reject it. And all of us, at some point in time in our lives, are at this crossroad. Somebody comes into our lives from the outside, yet, and it's someone that we love, it's someone that we know cares about, someone we might consider ourselves close to, but they don't understand the idiosyncrasies, the nuances of their lives. And, you know, like, and, and the very fact that, that, that discredits them maybe in your mind is actually the, the, the very fact that brings credit to what they're doing. They are from the outside, from the inside. They have this objective lens. Like Jethro, I'm sure Jethro cares about the Israelites, but he's, in, he's like, no, I care about Moses. Most, I care about you and, and my daughter and my grandkids. What you're doing is not good. And Moses is in this point, like, is he going to receive it? Is he going to reject it? Here's another thing. Here's, Moses could have gone straight Ron Burgundy on the guy and done this. I'm, do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, Jethro, but I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. You know, I've got this office with... Smells of rich mahogany. I know, it's silly. <laughs> like, he easily, like, it would have been so easy for Moses to play that card right now. Jethro, thanks. I see your heart behind it, but you don't know. I mean, I'm kind of a big deal now, Jethro. I'm not just that shepherd that was in the middle of nowhere that you scooped up off the ground. Thank you for that very much. I'm not trying to belittle that at all. But a lot's happened since then, Jethro. I'm kind of a big deal. You know? If there was anybody who could ever played that card, it was Moses. The guy goes and talks to God. Hey, you know what, Jethro? I'll keep it in mind, but I'm going to let God bring this one up. You know, like he could have easily gone that direction. Look what happens. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Verse 18, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me now and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. I, like, I, may God be with you. I want you to be blessed, Moses. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live. Isn't this way better, guys? Right now, they don't have a brain. They're like, I don't know, what would Moses do? And they're all just, oh, I gotta go get in the Moses line. This could be eight hours, you know? This is not a good system. Jethro's right. But select verse 21. But select capable men from all of the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over the thousands, the hundreds, fifties, and the tens. 
It's like an organization. It's a government. It's a, it's a you know, like there's with diff- different levels. Have them serve as judges for you, for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. You're the Supreme Court, Moses. The case, the simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your light loader, your load lighter because they will, share it with, they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all the people will go home satisfied. Look at the next two words. Moses, listen. Moses, listen. Moses, the Moses, the guy who, who talked with God, the guy who watched God write with God's finger on the stone tablets, listened. Do you think you can? I wonder if I can. If, if Moses listened, can we? Because here's our big idea for today. Always listen to outsiders. It's always good to listen to outsiders. We have so much to gain by listening to outsiders. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over the thousands, the fifties, hundreds of fifties and the tens. And he didn't tell anyone that it was Jethro's idea. No, it actually doesn't say that. We don't know, like, that, that he might have been tempted. You know what? I have a great idea. Come hither. I will tell you my idea. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. What is your reaction? What's your knee-jerk reaction? When somebody says, hey, what you're doing is not right. Or, or implies, hey, what you're doing, I'm not sure about this. You know? This is, what I love about this story is it's a happy ending. It's in the Old Testament. This is a happy ending in the Old Testament. Deep cuts, baby. You know? Here's, a, here's the word I want to introduce into the, the conversation for this morning. The word is accessibility. Moses, even though he was Moses, made himself accessible. It, 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 almost to a fault, like in, in the passage, like everybody could come and talk to him. But, but beyond that, he made himself accessible in a way that people who loved him could come and, and, and if, they, if they had something to say, he was accessible to them. It's pretty remarkable. My question for you is, who, who is that for you? How much accessibility do you have in your life? Because here's the deal, I, I, I firmly believe this, and this is one of the things I really want to teach my kids as they grow up, like accessibility, this, this kind of thing leads to happy endings. This kind of thing leads to us not losing a, a marriage over working too much. 
This kind of thing leads to not watching our, life, our kids' lives blink before us and we just missed it because we were busy doing something else. This kind of thing leads to us, you know, like, like people being able to speak in, hey, I don't know if this is a good relationship for you to have. This kind of thing leads to like, hey, it, it leads away from the story of like, man, we just didn't know what happened. Our money just kind of got away from us. And we, we're, now we're up to our eyes in debt and I'm not even sure how we got there. At the root of all of this, I think accessibility, if we make ourselves and allow ourselves to be accessible to other people, we allow people to have access to us and have input to us, makes it so that those things don't get the best of us in life. There's a lot hinging and riding on this principle. I could have gone another, um, this would have been a greatest hits in the Old Testament, and it doesn't, it's not a happy ending, is the story of David and Bathsheba. You can, like, you can say what you want about that. It's, you know, he, he, was, he was lazy, he was, he was whatever, he just slipped up. He made a mistake. I think, I think what happened with David and Bathsheba is an accessibility. Because along the way, it was, it was an accessibility issue. Because along the way, people could have said something, and they didn't. Why? The Bible doesn't tell us, but it's pretty clear. They didn't because they were afraid of David. And the king, what would the king say? Are people afraid of you? Are the people who love and care for you the most, are they afraid to bring up what they really, really think and what they're really, really concerned about? Because you're not accessible. They're afraid you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't accept it well. It might end the relationship. It might change the relationship, right? Those are accessibility issues. So here's what I want to... I want to, let's do an accessibility quiz. I want you to think through every single person that you know that could say these words to you. What you are doing is not right. And you get one point for each of those people. Like, honestly, think through your mind. Who in your life has the ability to, and you would listen to them, if they came and they, asked, they said, hey, I, I got to talk to you about something. I'm seeing this. Are you sure? And it, you get one point for every single person who would do that for you. And you would, and, and you would listen. You want to get double points? How many people are you willing, how many people would you invite in? When's the last time you invited somebody in? Hey, man, I, we're, we're thinking about this major life change. And my heart says we should go this way. I, but before I make that decision, I need your outside opinion on this. Is it good? Is it wise? Is it godly? You invite somebody in, you get two points for sure. Who is that for you? When's the last time you did it? When was the, and another question, when's the last time somebody, um, when's the last time that somebody actually did it? Like, like broke into your life, was able to break into your life and be like, I care for you so much. Have you thought about this? 
you know? Um, it has to do with humility, doesn't it? One of the interesting things is there's a, there's a, a passage in Numbers where Moses, someone brings something before Moses and they're like, Moses, it, it says, Moses was the humblest man that ever was around or something like that. Somehow Moses was able to maintain humility with all of this notoriety, with all of this, this authority, really. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's, uh, here's the other thing. I want to speak to men right now. I wish there's, there's no... Uh, if, no, I want, to, I want to speak... No, I want to speak to men. Men, the older we get, the harder this becomes. The more status we gain... And you can define status however you want, but like the more we feel like we've got, we've got it going in life, we, we're, we're, we're doing this, the harder this becomes. And, and the more people will stand off because of that respectability, there's so much respect, they're like, oh, I'm sure whatever they're doing, they, they, I, that looks weird to me, but whatever they're doing, I'm sure they know what they're doing because they believe in you, right? There's also a vibe thing. Some of us men put off a vibe of like, yeah, I'm going to do my thing. Okay? Enough said. You know? And that can take us to some really, and, and honestly, it makes a lot of sense because we all heard those stories of how, oh, how the mighty have fallen. It's like, oh my gosh, these men and women that just were accomplishing great things and everybody thought they had it all together. And then you find out their, 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 their backstory, their secret lives. And like, what happened? That's an accessibility issue. And it can be avoided. It can be avoided if we make ourselves and allow ourselves and invite ourselves to be accessible. We should always listen to outsiders. Now, to this point, besides using the Bible, this could have been a TED Talk. I mean, really, we haven't really talked about God yet. And here's... Here's why, here's, here's, here's why I think it is this way. And this is a, it's a deep theological truth that, that you guys have heard us preach here at CLC before. It goes like this. God wants to bring life to us through us. The reason it is this way, the reason that, you know, like we, we the reason why we can be like in our, in our, like in our lives would be like, God, just you know, let me know which way to go. God, you know, I thought I was going well and now I'm not sure. And I just, I need clarity. How many, how many of you have played for clarity this week? <laughs> you know, like, like, like we, we pray for it all the time and God's like, yeah, it's, it's all around you. I could, I could write it in the clouds, but what's the fun in that? You've got people around you. You've got outsiders around you that have a very clear perspective of what's going on inside, and they can help get you there. And it, the reason is God made it this way because he wants, his desire for us is to bring life to us, through us. His plan, I would even say his plan A is not just simply to read the word, although there's a ton of wisdom in there. But let's be honest, a lot of times we know what the word says, but how it applies in our specific situation because of the nuances and this and the emotions and all of that, like it just can be hard until somebody from the outside says, it's not as hard as you think. It's actually a lot clearer. And you're like, dang, you're right. I will listen, you know? 
But God's desire for us, God's desire for Moses was to bring life to Moses through Jethro. What you are doing is not good. Who can say those words to you? When's the last time somebody said those words to you? And and here's the deal. If you can't remember the last time someone said this to you, I hate to be the one to tell this to you, but it's not because you're doing everything right. (laughs) You know, it's it's not because it's just like, I guess we're just doing it all right, babe. Like, this is good. It's just not that. And the question is, will you have the humility to give accessibility? Well, I have the humility, and I was, I was convicted about this this morning in prayer, and this just right here, what I need to do next, and the people that I need to invite. Life's going good, I, you know, I'm proud of this, I'm proud of that, there's, there's, there's something I need, there's some specific people this week that I'm like, I need to talk to them, and I need to, to give them accessibility into this. What's it for you? Where is it for you? And the question is, is will you have the courage to invite it? I think you do. I think you do. And the end result, I believe, is a happy ending.